0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 3rd, 2017. A happy Friday to you from us here at Locked On, from me here at Locked On Magic. My name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com, and this is an episode you're going to want to sit down, grab some popcorn for And get settled in because it's a big one. Today is the Aaron Gordon episode. We're going to talk all things Aaron Gordon. It's probably still the biggest question I get and and biggest uh, flashpoint for Magic and Magic fans. And so we're going to talk all about Aaron Gordon, how he's doing, how he's playing, what we like, what we don't like. Whether he has a future at the 3 or the 4 or wherever, this is, as the title of the podcast says, the Aaron Gordon show. So, stay tuned for that throughout today's episode. We'll talk again about everything Aaron Gordon. But before we get going, let's take care of the business at hand. If you want to go get some popcorn, now would be the time to get some popcorn, you know, go, you know, go to go to the bathroom. This is this is this is that that soft match at the beginning of the show. Get you nice and settled in because we're going to talk a little bit about Friday's game against the Toronto Raptors. We can't just talk endlessly about Aaron Gordon. That will come in the next half hour. The Magic, of course, played the Toronto Raptors on Sunday, so we've seen them fairly recently, and it was a shootout, really. Um, the Magic played a, an incredible offensive game that day, uh, you know, one of their best shooting performances of the year, and that enabled them to get the victory. They had a nice lead, they really controlled the game throughout, played with a lot of energy and spirit, um, really kind of started this nice stretch of play for the Magic. I know they're 1-2 and two, and they've lost two straight games, but... Um, there, there's been some generally positive signs and a lot of it started uh, with the response to that blowout loss to Boston and that win in Toronto. There's definitely a lot of confidence coming from that game against Toronto. We'll see if that confidence carries over after uh, the loss to the Pacers on Wednesday. Again, like I've been saying for, for the last few games now, uh, these games are less about what the other team is going to do and more about what the Magic do. If the Magic play their game defensively like they did for pretty much a half, three quarters against Indiana, um, like they did for much of the Minnesota game, they're going to give themselves a chance to win. Uh, the offense is still going to be a little bit of a struggle because that's just their personnel. They don't have a good offensive team. Uh, but there's still lots of opportunity and still lots of... now uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here. Uh, still lots of ability to win these games. And this is a game that the Magic have proven that they, they have a chance to win. I mean, they went toe-to-toe with Toronto at foolish health. Uh, DeMar DeRozan played on Sunday uh, and, and had a decent game. Not a great game, but a decent game. Kyle Lowry was stellar, and, and the Magic withstood the rally, and they got the win. They, they picked up the win that they needed to get. If they play with that kind of energy that they did Sunday, there is no reason to think that they can't get a win Friday against Toronto because Toronto themselves are continuing to struggle. Like I said on Last Friday's show or on Sunday show on Monday's show, the Raptors are just in a bad place right now. If there if there's a time to pick off the Raptors, a, t- a team that by all accounts the Magic should not beat, even if we thought they were a playoff team, this would be a tough game for the Magic to take from a good Toronto team. Uh, this would be a, a tough one to get, uh, but the Raptors are struggling. They've lost, I think, six of their last eight games. They've got DeMar DeRozan who appears to be on the shelf. He he missed. Monday uh, Wednesday's game, or Tuesday's game against the New Orleans Pelicans, which the Raptors won on a game-winning bucket in overtime by Kyle Lowry. Uh, and he missed Wednesday's game against the Boston Celtics. So the Raptors are hurting a lot right now. Uh, and and that's more of a reason to believe that the Magic can, can go in there, can go to Amway Center and steal a victory. Again, it's less about what the Raptors do and more about what the Magic do. If they play with physical defense, if they play the defense that they played for the most part against Indiana, they're going to give themselves a good chance to win. They held held Indiana to less than 100 points, held them to about a 104 defensive rating, which isn't great, but is good enough, um, and certainly better than the Magic have played of late. Uh, If if they play with that kind of defensive intensity, um, they'll have a chance to win, and that's always been the case. If the Magic play with any type of defensive intensity, they will give themselves a chance to win basketball games, even with how... Inconsistent their offense is. Uh, Evan Fournier is slowly getting back into the swing of things, and that's going to be a good sign for him. Uh, that's going to be a uh, another opportunity for him to uh, to to, to uh, get back into rhythm and, and make sure he's not forcing things. and, and I think he did a generally a good job of that on Wednesday, but certainly has to keep those turnovers down. Uh, but these are all opportunities for the Magic to continue moving the ball forward and continue to to build some 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 at least positive momentum. And I think they've built positive momentum. Now's the time for results. So I this is the third time I've said it on this podcast, and I'll repeat it again. It's not about what the Raptors do. It's about what the Magic do. And if they play well, they'll give themselves a chance to win. Of course, the other bit of news before we move on to the main event and this is your this is your nice little undercard here. To get us warmed up for what we're going to discuss on today's episode of Locked On Magic, Aaron Gordon is officially in the slam dunk contest. No Zach Levine this time, so the path is open for Aaron Gordon to take home the championship uh, that he frankly deserved last year in Toronto. He'll be going to New Orleans. It was officially announced that he was selected to participate. In the 2017 Slam Dunk Contest, we'll see what he has for an encore. He'll be going up against a lot, the LA Clippers' DeAndre Jordan, uh, the Phoenix Suns' Derek Jones Jr. If you don't know that name, uh, YouTube him. Uh, he's been putting on crazy dunks for the Northern Arizona Suns, the Suns' D-League affiliate, uh, before he got called up to play for the main roster. Uh, and uh, the guy we saw on Wednesday with the Indiana Pacers, Glenn Robinson III. Gordon is the absolute clear favorite. Um, you know, uh, I think that he... Uh, if he can come up with some of the same inventive dunks that he did and pull them off relatively early on one or two tries, he is a shoe in to win. Jones, if you ask me, Jones is the guy to watch out for in this dunk contest. If you ever watch the D-League dunk contest, the D-League dunk contest is often better than the NBA dunk contest. Uh, this kid can fly, and so I, I, I would definitely have an eye on him, but Aaron Gordon's got the name behind him. Uh, he's got I think he's got the goods to to put on another stellar performance. and so I, I'm excited to see him back in the dunk contest. He will be the magic's only representative for the entire all-Star weekend. And so a lot of lots riding on you there, Aaron. Uh, so good luck to Aaron as he prepares to enter the dunk contest for the second straight year, hopefully this time, bringing home the championship. But dunk contests are fun. And we like them, and, and and they're 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 good times, and and their entertainment, but they're dunk contests, they're exhibitions. That being able to dunk the ball, as Derek Jones is frankly proving, does not mean you're actually a good basketball player. And I think a big thing that the Magic tried to are trying to learn this year is just how good Aaron Gordon can be, or what even Aaron Gordon is as a basketball player. His first two years, of course, were kind of mired in injury, and uh, he had the, the broken foot early in his rookie year. Uh, he uh, had his he broke his jaw in the offseason between his rookie and sophomore year, and so he was, you know, he took, it seemed like he made a lot of strides uh, when he played in Summer League. It seemed like that went to a complete stop, and he took him a long time for him to get his rhythm in. And even this year, he sprained his ankle uh, very late in the offseason, missed a bunch of training camp, uh, and it's taken him a while to get back into the swing of things, too. But... Uh it's been a, a Aaron Gordon's always just been a hard player to figure. When the Magic drafted him 4th in 2014, they, they 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 knew he was going to be a project. They didn't draft him to make an immediate impact. They drafted him to uh to 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 bring along slowly. Just how slowly or how quickly is probably the question. And with the moves that the Magic made this summer, they decided ultimately that he is a or they decided ultimately to try him at least at small forward. This move was with plenty of controversy and, uh, and we'll get into that in just a bit but as now as we've now passed game 50 you know nearly you know more than halfway through the season coming up on the, on the final quarter of the season there's not a lot we can say still about Aaron Gordon looking at Aaron's stats this year he's averaging a career high 11.4 points per game he's seen his two goal percentage drop to 43.1 percent which is expected considering he's now out on the perimeter a lot more. His three-point percentage is about where it was last year, still under 30%, and his attempts have gone up dramatically too. Uh, his effective field goal percentage actually has now surpassed his rookie year, so that's that's a good sign at least. Uh, his rebounds have tanked, uh, again, down from 6.5 to 4.6, but a lot of that's because he's now on the perimeter. He's being asked to do a lot of different things defensively, and he wasn't asked to do his first two years. Or just generally things, not just defensively. He's being asked to do a lot of things that he wasn't asked to do his first two years. And so it's hard to get a real handle on who Aaron Gordon is as a player or what he can become. But there is one thing we're sure of. And this bit of certainty, I think, makes it very clear What the mat makes it very clear that this whole experiment at small forward was worth it to learn this one thing, and that is Aaron Gordon has the potential and has played some really good perimeter defense. And, and as he told us before uh, at shootaround before Wednesday's game, that's something he looks forward to every night. Perfect, mm-hmm. yeah, it's awesome, wouldn't have it any other way. And that is a 21-year-old third-year player preparing to play Paul George. That's that's his reaction to being asked, you know, you get the superstar every night, how are you preparing for Paul George or, or what are you readying for Paul George? This is Paul George who was entering the game scoring 33 points per game in, the last, in his last three games and was tearing it up. On Wednesday, Paul George scored just eight points on three for 14, shooting one for six from beyond the arc. And I would even venture to guess... Aaron Gordon didn't play his best defensive game. The one thing of this whole season that's become abundantly clear is Aaron Gordon is one heck of a defensive player, And certainly, he still has his areas that he needs to improve. And I think one thing that's been very clear as well, as he's gotten used to playing out on the perimeter more, he has to learn how to navigate screens. But you put Aaron Gordon one-on-one in isolation against the best players in the league, Aaron Gordon is going to hold his own. You look at the way he played James Harden when the Houston Rockets came to town. That was one of the most disciplined and strong defensive performances I've seen in a Magic uniform in a long time. Someone actually asked me a few weeks ago, after a few more years like this, could Aaron Gordon be one of the best perimeter defenders in Magic history? And I had to think about that and say, okay, who are the best perimeter defenders in Magic history, number one? And I was started rattling off some names: Anthony Bowie, Donald Royal, uh, Matt Barnes, Michael Petris. There's there's not a lot of them. Courtney Lee, I think you could probably put in there. Uh, there, there aren't a lot of just fantastic perimeter defenders in Magic history. Um, you know, maybe Trace McGrady goes on that list too. But it's very realistic that Aaron Gordon's already near the top of that list as far as strong perimeter defenders in the Magic's, you know, 28-year history. And it very clearly still has room to grow. You look at his, you know, some of the metrics that he has. Uh, He's giving up something like 40% on field goals that he defends. Now, NBA.com's player tracking stats can be a little iffy on this front because it's essentially crediting him for defending a shot if he's the closest player to the shooter. But that's still a really good number. That's still among elite players in the NBA. And at twenty-one years old, the you know, third-year player, new to playing small forward, the magic consistently put him on the best player, the best perimeter player the other team has to offer every single night. And yeah, he's had his hiccups and he's had his bad games. I, 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 he had his struggles with DeMar DeRozan on Sunday, and if DeMar DeRozan plays, he'll he'll probably be checking him from the start there. He had his struggles with CJ McCollum, and I, again, running him off picks is probably the way to, to, to neutralize him a little bit, as, as it would be any good defender. But you watch him play, and you look at the tape again and again and again, and it's just... This is his NBA skill. This is what makes him... A really good NBA player, and, and he has so much athleticism, which we see in the dunk contest every year, and he uses it on defense effectively. Uh, I, I put a link to this article uh, in the in the companion piece that I wrote, and if you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Magic or like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic, uh, throughout the day Friday, you'll you'll see that I'll I'll, I'll, re, I'll share this post as well. Uh, but uh, over the summer, uh, the Ringer did, or right just before the season. The Ringer did a big story on Aaron Gordon. It was essentially their magic preview: was what is Aaron Gordon, and it's still a mystery to this day, which I'll talk about in a bit. And they they talked to the to the to the scientists at at P three Performance Lab. If you don't know P three, um, it's it's this performance lab that's become very popular among NBA players, and they and they measure a lot of different things uh, about how like how fast your reaction time is. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, really digging into things. Kyle Korver swears by them, and they really like work you out hard. And they said that Aaron Gordon's lateral quickness for for a player his size was something they had never seen before. And it's stuff like that that makes you think Aaron Gordon can can at least defend as a small forward. And what we've seen this year certainly would suggest that when you put him on the ball he's going to stop his man more often than not you know outside your Kevin Durant and Durant torched him that outs you know outside your very very best players Gordon's gonna have a very positive effect to your team's defense and for a player that is still searching for the right position to play and is still figuring out who he is in this league. Having an elite NBA skill is a great way to begin defining who he is. Aaron Gordon will be the first to tell you, and actually, he was the first to tell us uh, on on draft night when the Magic drafted him. His his goal was to become Defensive Player of the Year. He reiterate he's reiterated that goal to the to the press several times, and. Provided the team starts winning, I see no reason why Aaron Gordon can't become an all-defensive first-team player one day in the future. I think he will have that effect. I think he is just going to continue getting better on the defensive end. Because there is still room for improvement. If you go by basketball references box plus minus metric, he has a minus 0.5 defensive box plus minus. It's his first negative box plus minus in his career. It essentially means he's a half-point per 100 possession, worse than the average defender. And a lot of that has to do with learning better positioning and help side. Um, he'll, he'll still get a little bit lost off the ball. A lot of that is learning how to navigate screens, which is still a, a problem for him. Uh, and a lot of that is just continuing to learn the position. He's not kind of anchored in the paint like he was before. But the numbers say that. The numbers are, frankly, a little mixed, but... When I look at what Gordon can provide and what Gordon's done this year, when I watch him on the floor, it's very evident to me that Aaron Gordon can handle playing defense as a three. And to all those who say Aaron Gordon's playing the wrong position, Aaron Gordon is a four. Aaron Gordon's defense is why I'm not sure about that, because this is his NBA skill. This is what makes him an NBA starter: is this ability to be a, a lockdown defender on the perimeter. And if you turn him into a four, turn him into a full-time four, and bring in a, a true small, a, a, a trueish small forward, or even even if you kept Victor Oladipo and had Evan Fournier play the three, you lose something that I think makes Aaron Gordon a potentially elite player at something. And so that that's my biggest pause right now with how the Magic decide to move forward with Aaron Gordon. He's clearly able to do something that requires him to play the three. And we wouldn't maybe have known this if he hadn't played the three like he has this year. And so I, I always push the pause button on the on the Aaron Gordon as a four conversation by saying he does this perimeter defense thing really well. And so I think the Magic, whether they, they go out in the trade deadline and do it or whether they fill this need in free agency or slide Gordon to the four and just kind of figure it out from there, the Magic need a versatile four next to Gordon so that Gordon can continue playing on the perimeter as a three on defense. And I think... Everything is there. His desires, his goals, some of the numbers certainly suggested and certainly watching him play suggest that Aaron Gordon can do this on defense. The question, of course, is whether he can do it on offense. And that question is still very much up in the air. It's not clear whether Gordon's defensive ability overrides some of the struggles he's had offensively. And certainly when the Magic drafted him, they knew his offense was going to be a work in progress. He wasn't a good shooter at Arizona at all. His free throw shooting was abysmal at Arizona his freshman year. His jump shot needed a lot of work, and he's been working on it with, with Dave Love, and, and you can see the improvements. But it's still iffy. It's still shaky. He's shooting 29.5% on three-pointers this year. Uh, he's shooting 63.3% from the line. So it's still very, very shaky whether he's going to make make shots or not. And to be a small forward in this league, and, and certainly with the roster the Magic have, and uh, I think this is a fair criticism of this experiment, is that with, with so much pressure to win, throwing Gordon out there without a, a really developed offensive game is not conducive to winning. That's something you do when you're experimenting and, and trying to develop players, not when you're trying to win. And so I think that little bit of a you know, I, I, hypocrisy is probably a little wrong word, but that that doesn't compute necessarily with with the overall goal for the Magic this season. It was trying this experiment. It was just kind of like, well, we got Ibaka, now we got Biombo. Where do, what do we do with Gordon? Let's throw him out there at the three. Why not? They've done a little bit of that in the previous two years, but not a lot, not to this extent, and certainly not playing him on the perimeter. They always had Tobias Harris who could. Play. You could play on the perimeter and, and put Gordon Gordon on the, on the block. Um, they they had a, they had ways to to keep Gordon anchored to the basket. And certainly, Gordon's taken more shots from outside the paint this year than he probably has in his career. That explains why his two point percentage is down to fifty point four percent from fifty three one last year. Um, he's doubled his three point attempts per game from last year, uh, while still shooting the same percentage, which is a little bit impressive at least, but not, not but not wholly impressive. Uh, he is averaging more points per 36 minutes than he ever has in his career, so that at least that's trending up. And, and I think there are signs offensively that he is making progress. But it comes and goes very clearly. And, and his big scoring games have come because he's making shots, and, and that part of his game is just not reliable. You can see him sometimes trying to force things, trying to force his way into a shot rather than kind of taking what the defense gives him. He will still miss open threes. He missed a lot of open threes in Wednesday's loss to the Indiana Pacers. I thought, Um, and and you know, it's it's just not the way that Aaron Gordon's going to be most successful offensively. I mean, he's got a nice kind of two dribble pull up that he'll rely on a little too much. He doesn't have much of a post game to speak of, so maybe that's not the right way. But they don't use him in cutting actions a lot to get him kind of go into the basket where he can use that athleticism around the basket and finish. Uh, but there's still not, there's still little signs of progress. I mean, it's not like he's a completely lost cause offensively, but certainly I think getting him in better positions around the basket, and this is something I thought the Magic were doing a little bit better of um, in December, especially was getting him looks in kind of the pinch post around the the elbow area extended, uh, kind of inside the three-point line, giving him an opportunity to to work a little bit closer to the basket, I think was and still is a good decision. I don't think he's a a full-time spot-up shooter. I mean, certainly I like that he lets it fly. I don't mind that he shoots the ball um, when he's open. Uh, But uh, that's not necessarily his game, so to speak. But the the, the reality is, and I think this is where the the 3-4 experiment really hits its snag and really kind of grinds at people. The reality is, the Magic made this season about winning and making the playoffs. And essentially, the Magic tanked two seasons for that 2014 draft. Now... Maybe they expected to win the lottery there and get an Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker. Um, they they were uh, in lined up draft third, which would have gotten them Joel Embiid. Not that they would have picked him, um, which is another story. But they put a lot of capital into Aaron Gordon at the fourth pick, and other players in his draft class have performed better. Hardly scored more and made a more meaningful impact. And for a team trying to make the playoffs, running this experiment, and I think it's safe to call it an experiment because Rob Hennigan even admitted their staff debates whether he's a three or four. They haven't decided on it. But running this little experiment wholeheartedly, I mean, Aaron Gordon has played almost 0 minutes at power forward. According to Basketball Reference, he's played 4% of his minutes at power forward this year. I mean, it's it, it feels like sometimes the magic go out of their way to play Gordon at small forward. I mean, he's played with Jeff Green a few times and and so maybe you fudge it a little bit, but Gordon's the one out on the perimeter, Green's the one in the post. It certainly feels like Gordon could use some time at Power Ford, And the Magic could use some time with Gordon at Power Ford. It's like the one thing Vogel hasn't tried at all this year to try and get this team to win. And judging by how Gordon played last year, especially after the, after the All-Star break, it feels like it's worth trying. And that disappointment and that frustration, I believe, is why... The team, why, why this experiment has has had so much blowback? Because Gordon hasn't taken a huge step forward offensively. He's taken a step forward offensively, but not a huge step forward. And certainly, uh, his skills might be better used going after the offensive glass uh, and being around the basket a little bit more. After the All Star break last year, he averaged twelve points per game, seven point three rebounds per game. So essentially, scored about what he scored this year after the after the trade, after the Tobias Harris trade, scored about what he's scoring this year with more rebounds and more contribution on that end. Again, I would maybe argue that that his defense is very, very, very valuable uh to, to the Magic, uh and and you have to find a way to to keep that part on there, on the perimeter. But the pressure this season was undeniable. And seemingly to to use Gordon in a way that even appears ineffective. Or not to explore a way that has been effective in the past. This doesn't feel right. And it only adds more questions to what Gordon is or what Gordon should become. If you're really running this experiment, you need to Kind of let Gordon be Gordon and run him everywhere on the floor. See what, you know, see what works and what doesn't work. And so far, they've tried some things that, that didn't work. Running him in pick and rolls was a disaster. His three-point shooting is, is still iffy. Um, better, but iffy. He's not great attacking off the dribble yet. And yet, there he is standing behind the three-point line. And that frustration is real, for for fans at least. As much progress as he has made, the team hasn't progressed. And it's easy to say they're not using Gordon as effectively as they could. There's a lot of players on this team that you can say they're not using as effectively as they could. And I think that goes not only to some of Vogel's rotation decisions, but just how poorly matched this roster is. That they haven't been able to get the most out of a lot of guys. This Aaron Gordon question is not going to go away this season. It's going to bleed into the offseason. And at this point, it feels like Aaron Gordon is the most valuable trade asset the Magic have. He's he's the player they're least likely to trade. And so the question this summer is going to become, how do we best build to complement Aaron Gordon and his very unique skills? And I know that's, that's you don't need to say very unique. How do we complement this promising player that we have? And I think that's the bigger question that this season has brought up in playing Aaron Gordon almost exclusively at the three. Clearly he has some value there at small forward. I think it's it's clear to see. And clearly, this season, even if you believe he's playing out of position, which I, I know a lot of you do, even if he's been playing out of position this season, he's shown enough potential to to believe that he can be someone, not necessarily the team builds around, but has a place in an NBA starting lineup. Both on offense and on defense. He's, he's shown flashes to say, this, there's something there certainly on defense, potentially on offense. And how they're using him this year maybe isn't maximizing his offensive abilities. I think that's fair to admit and fair to fair to say. And so the question the question now is not what position does Aaron Gordon play? I think the question is how do the Magic maximize what Aaron Gordon gives them? Because I think it's very clear he gives him a little bit at the 3 and a little bit at the 4 and I think you lose a lot of what Gordon can give you if you put him at the 4 exclusively and I think you lose a lot of what Gordon can give you when you put him at the 3 exclusively and you know maybe this isn't the time for these kinds of questions because of the pressure the Magic are under to win and win immediately And especially because this summer, the Magic can offer Aaron Gordon an extension. And next summer, summer of 2018, it's going to be time to pay him. And figuring out his value with all these questions is going to be much, much more difficult to do. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's podcast. I Hope it was a good one. Hope you enjoyed the discussion on Aaron Gordon. Let us know what you think about Aaron Gordon. You can drop us a line on Twitter at LockedonMagic. You can also leave a comment on Facebook and like us on Facebook at LockedonMagic, as well as contact the show whether you want to have a comment, a question, some a topic you'd like us to, to discuss, a business inquiry career, advertisement inquiry. You can find us on you can email us at omagicdaily@gmail.com at gmail.com. And of course, the best best place to follow me on Twitter. If you're not going to follow us on Locked On Magic, which you should, um, is on Twitter at Omagicdaily. Uh be sure to check on the uh, check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Super Bowl week. Um, earlier uh, earlier in the year we had Knox Bardeen of Locked On Falcons on the Locked On Magic podcast as the as the Falcons and the Dolphins played each other at Camping World Stadium. Go follow our pal Knox Bardeen. Uh, Check out Locked On Falcons. I'm sure he's had some fantastic, fantastic Atlanta Falcons coverage as the Falcons take on the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 51 over at NRG Stadium uh, in Houston. The Magic will be in Houston on Tuesday, actually. So uh, get a little bit of the the Super Bowl air there. Um, They're not going to travel there straight from Atlanta. They're coming home and then traveling to Houston because hotels are going to be a mess in Houston for a while. Um, Magic actually had to play a game in Indianapolis during Super Bowl weekend a few years, during the lockout year. That was a disaster from everything I heard. I think they had to stay in Cincinnati, actually, because they couldn't find a hotel room that weekend. Uh, that's a, that's another story for another time. But follow Locked On Falcons for to catch up on your Super Bowl prep, as well as Locked On Patriots. I'm sure they do a good job, uh, but they, they've never been on my show. So I'm going to plug Knox and, on, and his show more. Uh, so Locked On Falcons, you can find that on Audio Boom and iTunes. And, of course, you can find Locked On Magic on Boom, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher as well. Hope everyone has a fantastic weekend. The Orlando Magic play the Toronto Raptors tonight at the Amway Center at 7 o'clock, and then they'll head to Atlanta for a home road back-to-back. They'll play the Hawks in Atlanta on Saturday uh, at, I believe that game's at 7. It might be at 7.30. Um, let's say it's 7 just in case, and if not, you get to watch the pregame show, and the pregame is fantastic on Fox Sports Florida. Um, We'll be back again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Magic, recapping those games and getting you ready for the next week of Orlando Magic basketball. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We'll see you all again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.